Lord, at this time, we ask that you clear away the distractions that may loom or cast shadows on our hearts or on our minds. We ask that you open up our hearts to what you have to say to us today through your word and through your spirit. We ask for illumination. We ask that as your word is read, that it will be blessed, both the reading and the hearing of it. And that this time that we spend now in your presence will be a fruitful time for us to grow in likeness of you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture this morning comes from Psalm 67, verses 1 through 7. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. For the past several weeks, we've been talking about what it means to live true in a world of lies or in a world of deceit. We've been talking about things that the culture says or ideas, maybe even slogans that we hear taught as truth and how they sometimes conflict with what God's Word has to say to us. Now last week we started talking about not necessarily a slogan, but we started talking about a deceptive attitude that has crept into our society. And I want to continue that trend today uh, by talking about unity versus division. You see, we live in a world where we are constantly being divided. And, that, and there's almost an agenda towards that. Division is being pushed, it's being taught by the culture around us. And if we're not careful, we can live into that and we can let that division inform who we are rather than letting the Word of God inform who we are. When we insist on viewing other people no longer as people, but simply as other, we fail to see the humanity in them. We fail to see how they are part of God's creation and God's plan, just like we are. And so I want to turn our attention today to the psalm we just read. If you'll notice throughout that psalm, the psalmist says, All nations praise you. The psalmist is calling for all nations to give their praise to God. Now, a lot of times in Scripture, when you hear the word nation, it's talking about the nation of Israel. Uh, after the, the, the new covenant and, and Jesus Christ and, and the salvation offered to us through the cross, we hear uh, nations sometimes referred to the new Israel, um, which, which also means the church. And so when we say nation, a lot of times in Scripture, we're talking about God's people. 
Well, right here, that's not exactly what the psalmist is talking about. The psalmist is, is literally talking about many nations. We know that because it is plural. The psalmist says, let all nations praise God. And then the psalmist goes on to say, let, the, uh, let God's grace and His truth be known to all the ends of the earth. In other words, all the nations, all the tribes, all the different cultures and races let all of them know of God's goodness and let them all come together to praise God. The psalmist is basically declaring that God is not just for one tribe or one people or one nation. God is not just to be praised among one group. He's to be known and served and loved and praised by all, by all people, every nation, everywhere. And that psalmist's desire is echoed by Jesus Christ. Remember, just before His ascension into heaven, Jesus told His disciples, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's what we call the Great Commission, and it's sort of the, uh, the catalyst for all our missionary efforts in the church. All the, the foreign aid we give, the relief to those uh, overseas, the missionaries we send, the gifts we send uh, at the time of Operation Christmas Child, all of those things uh, are, are sort of formed from this uh, great commission that we should be going and making disciples of all nations. And that's a wonderful thing, something that we absolutely should be taking a part of. But as we consider the Great Commission and making disciples of all nations and all tribes, we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing here locally? If we're willing to take the gospel into the corners of the earth, are we also willing to take the gospels into the corners of our own community? You see, sometimes we just assume that in America... Everyone must have heard of Jesus or know about the gospel or have, or have experienced the invitation to Christ at some point. But the, the truth is that that's not always so. And we can't assume that. And the reason why sometimes we do assume that is because so often we get tucked away into our own comfort zones, into our own conditions, our own living and, and dwelling places, being around like-minded people with shared experiences, and we fail to realize that there are millions of people out there who don't share those backgrounds and don't share those experiences. You see, we tend to congregate and form around people who are like us, who look like us, who think like us, who have lived lives like us. And what happens when we do that is we become out of tune with the portions of our own community that we have trouble identifying with on a social level. Those parts of the community might as well be other nations. If you'll remember uh, a few months ago, I was doing a, a project uh, for a globalization class that I was taking, and on a Wednesday night I told you all about it, and I asked some of you uh, to tell me what you thought globalization means. And some of you told me that it means the world is getting smaller, that we are becoming more and more of a melting pot, that we are becoming a, a diverse culture. And that's true. And then I asked you, how do you see globalization in Buena Vista? And some of you said, 
Well, we have a very vibrant community. We have a, a culturally diverse community. We have a lot of white people, a lot of African Americans, a lot of Hispanics. We are very diverse. And that's globalization here on a local level. And you're very right. That's what that is. But if we really stop and examine that and we think about it, we have to admit something must be wrong. Because somehow, even though we are very diverse, we all still tend to live in our own worlds. We all tend to gather with people who are like us, to eat with people who are like us. And if you look around, you'll notice that we even worship with people who look like us. And I'm not saying that specifically of just about us in this congregation. I'm saying that is human nature. That is our tendency everywhere. We segregate ourselves according to culture and according to background, and we do it really without even thinking. And when we gather to bring praise and we gather to bring glory to our common Creator, the one who loves all of us, the one who longs to bless all of us, we tend to separate and segregate ourselves and we might as well be different nations. And when we act as different nations, we can't communicate. We can't feel the aches and the pains that come from the other parts of our own community. And they can't feel our aches and pains. We don't know how to share the love of Christ with them because we don't know in what ways they need it, just like they don't know the ways in which we need to see the love of Christ in action. Now some of you may tend to take offense at some of the things that I'm saying. But I want to be clear. I'm not calling anybody here a segregationist or a racist or anything like that. I'm saying that it is our human nature to surround ourselves with people who make us comfortable. And the problem with that is when we get comfortable, then how do we do the Great Commission? We tend to send things out in our place. We send gifts afar, we send money, we send other missionaries, we send ambassadors, and we stay at home comfortable. More so than ever, we are a divided nation, not just here in Buena Vista. If you've kept up with current events in the past year or so, you'll see that the racial tensions in America are higher than they've been in quite some time. We cannot be okay with being divided with being a divided people and a divided culture. When heated divisions in our nature, nation occur, they spill over into our own lives, our local communities, and even into the local church. And if any of you feel uncomfortable or maybe even bothered that I'm talking about this this morning, then that, that proves the point. That racial tensions in our nation have reverberated so much so that they are evident in our own lives, and therefore they are evident in the lives of the local church. People, the church is the body of Christ, and the body of Christ must never be divided. Jesus said that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And what kingdom is worth protecting? What kingdom is worth defending and fighting for more than the kingdom of God. Paul was uh, considered by many to be the first missionary. He traveled to uh, many different nations, many different cultures. 
But as he left and went on to other nations and other cultures, even other continents sometimes, he would write letters back to the places where he was, letters back to those local communities. And the common thread in all of those letters was he would tell them all to be united in Christ. He told the church in Corinth, let there be no divisions among you. He told the church in Ephesus, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And he told the Galatians, if you belong to Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. We are all one and the same in Christ. We live in a nation that calls itself a melting pot. And when we talk about globalization, what we're talking about is the world is getting smaller and cultural and ethnic boundaries are becoming blurred. And we're talking about foreign nations coming together to create one global nation. That's what globalization means. And for some, that, represent, that, that thought represents utopia. And for others, that thought is very troubling. That thought is a nightmare. But regardless of how you feel about it, I want to tell you today that that is our present reality. We are living in a melting pot here in America and right here in Buena Vista. The nations of the world have come to us. And if you think about it, that should be the good news. The Great Commission has become much easier. No longer do we have to take the gospel into the corners of the earth because the nations and the various cultures, they have come to us. They're all represented right here. We are in the melting pot, and opportunity surrounds us. But yet, somehow, we remain divided. So what is it that has divided us? What is it that has made us draw these lines and separate ourselves? What is it that makes us retreat to our own comfort zone? Would you be alarmed if I told you that this division has been deliberately caused by the forces of evil? Would you be surprised if I told you that I believe we've been played? We've been set up on purpose for the sake of division. This is an old tactic. Politicians have used it and, and rulers and authorities have used it for centuries. The term divide and conquer, that simply means get the people divided. And then you can go in and you can play to the fears of one, you can play to the, the anger and the resentment of the other, and when you do that, you can keep yourself in authority and in power longer. But I'm not just talking about human beings that have done that or that are doing that today. What I'm talking about is a war that we're at with forces that are unseen. Satanic forces that seek to divide us because they don't want to see God's kingdom prosper. If God's kingdom cannot stand while it is divided then who would try to divide it? How would it become divided? Division would come from an attack from the enemy and from the spiritual forces of evil. And that's what we're dealing with here. As much as we would like to believe that we are in control of the church and what goes on here and its future, the truth is there's a war going on because the church is the body of Christ. And that body is meant to usher in the kingdom of God here on earth. We don't choose to resist that ushering in. 
But sometimes we do end up resisting it by allowing those outside forces to dominate us, to divide us. Those forces have divided us through politicians, through the media, and now through a shift of cultural norms and values. Even the things that we, even our definitions, the terms that we use, are calls for division. Let me give you an example. The term, the word racism, when I was growing up, to me, I always understood it to mean that you resented someone or you discriminated against someone because of their ethnicity or the color of their skin. But today, did you know there's a new definition of racism that is being taught? I didn't learn this until recently. But it's now being argued that the term means that certain people exist as privileged and other people exist as oppressed. And if you belong to the race that is more privileged, you are racist by fault and there's nothing you can do about it. And if you belong to the race that has been oppressed, then there is no way you can be racist because your race has always been oppressed. Now that new definition is dividing people even within their own cultures, even within their own races. And, and the danger in that statement, the danger in that definition is, is a blanket statement. And blanket statements do nothing except lump everybody into one category or the other. In other words, they divide us. Blanket statements take away our hope. Because if we are just shoved into one category or the other, then we feel hopeless and we realize there's nothing we can do to change things. Blanket statements rob us of our responsibility. Because if there's nothing we can do to change things, we might as well just keep going the way we are. Because we're not going to make any difference anyway. And blanket statements rob us of our identity. And we don't even see how we are working with Christ or how we are working against Christ and His kingdom. There's a woman I know at, at Candler who, she's a white woman, but she works with the, uh, the minority groups. And she's always uh, advocating for social justice and, and equality. And she does a lot of good work with that. But one day I was in conversation with her and she just casually mentioned in the conversation that she was a racist. And then she just kept talking. And I said, whoa, whoa, what? And this, this is how I found out this new de definition of racism. And she said, well, of course I'm racist, Jerry. I'm white. And you are too. And we all are, whether we realize it or not, simply because we're white. And in that moment, I felt bad for her. I, my, my heart broke for her because she has, has, has lumped herself in with a group of people that are on one side or the other. She has lived into that division, and she can't even understand the good that she may be doing for the kingdom of God because she's willing to live into that division. She's willing to be a part of that blanket statement. So what can we do when lines are being drawn everywhere? But more importantly, why should we allow those lines to be drawn? Why should we allow ourselves to be defined by those lines? Why should we allow the agents of, of tyranny and hatred to define who we are and what we should do? When the world sees black and white and Hispanic, etc., what do we see? Do we have the capacity, do we have the faith to be like Paul and say, there's neither Jew nor Greek in Christ. 
There's neither black nor white nor brown nor any other shade in Christ. We are all simply the children of God. We all find our heritage in the various nations, the nations that the psalmists long to see praising and worshiping the same God that the psalmists worshiped. What can we do about division here in our local community? First of all, we have to remain a positive force. We have to make up our minds that we are not going to to sink in the mire. We are not going to become negative. We are going to remain a positive force and an agent for positive change in the world. And rather than us staying cozy, continuing to surround ourselves with people who just merely look like us and think like us and act like us, why don't we try to make the statement that we're not going to accept those lines and those boundaries and we're going to share the love of Christ with others. And I mean share the love of Christ. I don't mean go up to someone who is Hispanic or someone who is black and just tell them how they can know Jesus. I mean go show them through your actions, through your conversation, through your life, what the love of Jesus looks like. Maybe another thing we can do is change or rearrange our invitation habits. In the time that I've been here as your minister, many of you have told me, oh, so-and-so lives out on such-and-such road, we should invite them to the church. Or some couple just moved in down on Highway 41, we should invite them to the church. And that's true. You absolutely should do that. Keep doing that. But also, let's don't forget, there are people right here around us, around the church, right here in the town, that we come across every day that we could invite to the church, that we could share the love of Christ with. You could do the same thing for the person who waits on on you at the restaurant, the same person who runs the cashier and rings you out at the store, the same person who cuts your grass. Let's don't limit ourselves to who we want to reach out to and who we want to worship with. Globalization means that the world is getting smaller and that can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. If you've ever watched reality TV, you know that people who live in a confined space, that uh, it, can be, it can get combative. Uh, people can turn on each other. Rivalries can flare up. But at the same time, people who are crowded in a confined space oftentimes can pull together. They can unify and strengthen each other. Buena Vista and every small town like it in America exist today because at some point, people who are confined to a small area with each other all pulled together. They all became unified and strengthened each other, and because of that, we exist here in this town today. Now, I'm not saying that any of us should surrender our heritage or lose our sense of identity. I'm not saying that we should give up our own cultural background. But as much as those things can shape us and inform who we are, they should never take priority over who we are in light of God's kingdom. When the psalmist exclaims, let the people praise you, O God, let all the people praise you, a vision is being cast and it's being shared. The psalmist is seeing the kingdom of God as a kingdom without borders. National identity and ethnic differences, they all dissolve in the light of God's glory. That is the vision of heaven. It's a vision of the coming kingdom. And that is the kingdom that the church should be pointing to and revealing to all the world. Let us pray.
Lord, we ask that you forgive us for the sins of neglect or apathy that we may have had towards other people. Lord, help us to realize that those other people we show neglect or apathy to are also people that you have created. Lord, we ask that you heal us where we are wounded, that you unite us where we are divided. Lord, we ask that you let us live and love for the sake of your kingdom. Let us fight for unity. Let us share your vision that every nation and every tribe would worship you as one body. Lord, grant us wisdom so that we can understand the ways in which we are to share your love and your life with others, no matter who they are or where they are from. And Lord, hasten the day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And as we wait for that day to approach, Lord, we ask that you let all our differences, all our divisions, dissolve in the light of your glory. It's in the holy name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is, Blessed be the tie that binds. That's in your United Methodist hymnal, hymn number 557. Please stand if you are able. And if you've made a decision of any type this morning, I invite and encourage you to come forward as we sing hymn number 557.